I'm Steph Hansen, faculty at Iowa State University. And I'm Mary Janowski, faculty at the University of Nebraska. When we started our faculty positions, we quickly realized how important mentoring can be to the success of our graduate students and our programs. Using the principles of community, communication, and curiosity, we'll give you actionable tips to become a better graduate student mentor based on what we've learned during our mentoring journey. We've made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Hello, mentors, and welcome to another episode of the Mentoring Matters podcast. Today, Mary and I decided that maybe we needed to take a step back and help our listeners understand a little bit more about why so many of our episodes lately have focused on getting to know more about how our students work, how our students think, um, their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, as um, we understand better through some of these different personality and uh, leadership assessments that we've been giving them, and talk a little bit more about why we think it is so important for faculty to help these young scientists develop not only their laboratory skills, their science skills, but also their soft skills, which we would actually say are the hard skills. Right, Mary? Definitely the hard skills. <laughs> Those uh, skills make or break you, you know, in your career. And yet uh, we spend so little time learning about them, I would say, in our formal educational process. Absolutely. So maybe let's just start with a little bit of, you know, what are a couple of examples of skills that you would put on this list of soft skills that are actually hard skills? <laughs> well, Recently, we actually had one of our external advisory committee meetings. And so the industry comes in and, and basically uh, hears about what we're doing as a department and then gives us feedback about what they see as needs. And one of the questions we asked them was actually about graduate students and what they are looking for from our graduates and what they need from them. And interpersonal skills uh, came up as one of the top things that they felt they needed. In with this was really about acknowledging the diversity of thinking, being able to take perspectives, being able to communicate and build rapport with other people. And then they also talked a little bit about understanding themselves more and understanding that they're unique and not everybody works the same way. So in my mind, a lot of it's about relationships. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. During the pandemic, we, of course, were forced to go online with our grad meetings, and we took advantage of that to have folks from our animal science industry and the feedlot industry where I work to actually come in and speak with our grad groups uh, via something like Zoom. And so we had people from all over the country that were able to join us. And regardless of what position that person held, at the end of the hour after they had signed off and I was recapping with my students, I could say, hey, did you guys hear what they said? They said that relationships are, are key to everything. And, you know, going back to somebody here who has very few relationship building strengths in her top 10, <laughs> as we've talked about before, that's always been one of the things that, you know, I struggled with for the first several years as faculty to realize how crucial those relationship building skills are. When I would go to an industry event, I would feel like I needed to immediately put the sales pitch to somebody and be like, here's my idea. And we should talk about you funding a graduate student in research. And now when I go to those things, we don't talk about that stuff at all. We talk about how the kids are doing in 4-H and what's going on with whatever's happening in the world at that, that time. 
And when you see them, it's like you get a hug instead of a handshake now, right? Because you've built that relationship. And that's so crucial. And it is increasingly hard, I think, for every generation of students that comes in. It seems like that that relationship building skill is harder and harder for them. Yeah, thinking about those interpersonal skills, thinking about the soft skills in a survey that we did almost five years ago now, and this was more focused on undergraduates. But the thing that was really interesting is that industry said willingness to learn was really, really important. And I think that goes back to the comment by the external advisory committee where they were talking about uh, rapport building and perspective taking um, that you don't necessarily have to have all the answers. You have to be willing to show that you have knowledge, but also recognize that other people have knowledge. And so I think that's a part of those relationship building. Um, the other things that they kind of brought up, integrity, problem solving, teamwork, which we did a whole podcast on building uh, a team. And I was really surprised that that's actually one that doesn't get listened to very much. And I do think teamwork and building those skills is extremely important, not just for graduate school, but beyond graduate school. Oral communication came up as well as interpersonal and emotional intelligence, which is kind of what we were talking about. (laughs) I have too. also, I've been surprised that not more people have looked at the team culture one. I actually think that's one of the most crucial things that we've done. What's that saying? Like, basically, once you build the team, like attracts like. And so I think it's a well- rewarded effort. There's a high return on investment to developing a super strong team culture for a variety of reasons. One, I think it makes them more resilient to the bad days or the bad weeks sometimes. I think it also helps them as a part of that team culture, they care for each other, right? They become more like a family or we've talked before about like the best friend at work. You're more willing to you know, step out on the limb and work harder and help that person that you care about at work. I interviewed a potential graduate student this last week. And one of the things that he said, he's actually been working for us in the lab this semester as an undergrad. And I didn't hadn't gotten to spend much time with him yet. And he was like, you know, I really love that your team are, they're more like siblings than this random group of graduate students that happen to be in the same lab. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of them right now that definitely treat each other like brother and sister. And, you know, they kind of like to snipe at each other and stuff, but it's all in it's all in good fun. And I think the fact that they do treat each other like a family instead of a, oh, sorry, I'm too busy for you this week or or that kind of thing. Probably now everybody's thinking there's a reason why I don't concentrate on this. <laughs> and that is it's hard and I don't really know how to start building those skills. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's part of why we've done some of the personality assessments and the talent assessments with things like Myers-Briggs and Strengths. But we are also taking a new tactic uh, this semester that we both have started with our groups. And that's really what we wanted to focus on here today. So we're going to talk about how we have utilized book clubs with our teams and uh, talk about how we uh, tackled some maybe challenging conversations and things like that uh, by using a book club strategy. Yeah, I've been a big fan of using a book club to have these conversations, uh, especially around opportunities to talk more about personal characteristics and skills and increasing self-awareness because it provides some structure and it doesn't seem necessarily as, I would say, pointed. And it allows them to actually reflect so they can read 
uh, reflect and then actually hear from each other about how they thought about the material. And it's, I think it's actually been really great. So I, the first book club we did with the graduate students has been the seven habits of highly effective people. A few years ago, I did a workshop on the seven habits of highly effective people. I'd heard about that book. I mean, it's not a new book. It's like from the eighties. And when I actually did this workshop, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This has all of the things that I need to be thinking about. And so I thought, oh, this would be great for the students. What I did as a part of a book club was to work as a part of our larger group where we have weekly meetings as a lab. It includes five faculty and their students, which currently is about 17. So, of course, it's a little bit different than if it was just my lab group because that means that there's some people who don't know each other as well as in one particular faculty's lab group. And we met uh, once a week and discussed a chapter each week. And then the faculty actually took turns uh, leading that discussion. So uh, everybody had kind of like a week that they were assigned. And then one of the things that we noticed quite early, right, is because it can get quite personal, how do you get the students to engage and actually provide their thoughts and opinions? And one of the things that we tried, um, or at least that I tried that I thought worked really, really well was turn to your partners. And so I framed a lot of the discussion as giving them a question to actually react to and talk to each other and kind of build some confidence because they'll find where they have commonalities and then they're much more willing to say, here was my thoughts, right? Because here was my partner and I's thoughts is much less scary. Um, and then over time, I think it got easier and easier because they, they got more and more comfortable. In fact, uh, I asked a survey after we were done with this, and that is one of the things that they brought up is I asked the question in the survey, what changes have they seen in uh, their colleagues uh, after participating in this book club? And that's actually one of the things they said that we see, we have much more communication with each other. We're much more willing to try to listen um, and actually lend a helping hand to try to understand each other. And I think they, they just talked about they felt like there was much more interaction among the group, which I thought was really great. So you did it over, there's seven habits, obviously, since that's the title. Um, and you did it over seven different weeks then? Uh, actually, it was 10 weeks because there's seven habits, but there's also a couple chapters that are like the connections between the two. Like one is about uh, the personal bank account, for instance. And so we broke it up over all the chapters. Plus I had one chapter at the end, which wasn't a chapter. It was just literally a time for reflection about the whole book and what they learned. And that I think is also really important because it Reflection is really important for student learning, as we talked about in our uh, one of our previous podcasts. And so it kind of forced them to really think about what it was that uh, they're going to walk away with at the end of this. That was one of the extra weeks. So how did you choose that book to use for your group? <laughs> That's a great question. So as I mentioned, I thought it was a great book and it really helped me. But 
some of the key concepts. So the first three habits are what they call the private victory. And it's really about uh, realizing that you have a lot of control. And so like the first one is being proactive and it, and this was one of the things where I felt like the students were kind of struggling with is uh, victim mentality versus ownership mentality. And I felt like this book uh, really helped me to think more about taking ownership and creating my own weather. Um, so this idea that I always have a choice and I have right. the freedom to to choose how I react and being the first habits, they call it being proactive. They talk about the space between what happens to us and our response is the space in which we choose. And it's about not letting emotion choose for us. And I thought that was a really good first step in in helping our students with their interpersonal skills because uh, it's very easy to become reactive having that thought process I thought would be great. And of course, it's always a good lesson for me as well. (laughs) Right. Isn't the saying the only thing we really have control over is our reaction to something or nobody can take that away from us. So that's an important thing to work with students. And, And another one was focusing on our circle of influence, which was another thing I really wanted them to think about because I see more and more and I fall into it too, that sometimes it's really easy to get distracted by the things we really can't control. And it's really hard. You can't make impact there. And so helping you to think about, well, what can I control? Focus on that. And actually your circle of influence grows right over time. And that's like another great concept that I really wanted to get out of the book. Gotcha. So you said you did a survey at the end. What was the student response to maybe the book in particular first, but then to just the process of taking the time to go through it? Because I know that there's probably some listeners who are like, that is not what I want to spend my lab time doing, right? I want students to share data. I want students to practice presentation skills. I want students to work on all these other things, especially if we've only got an hour a week that you've got a massive group like that together. Yeah, well, 92% of them thought it was useful and said we should do it again with future students, future cohorts. To me, where the proof in the pudding is really in their comments about the changes that they have made and what they have observed um, of their fellow students. So interestingly, so out of the 14 students who actually replied to the survey, 13 of them answered the question of what changes they've made. All of them were really great responses, but they were all different things. Like, so they all got something different out of the book, right? Which is great, right? They're focusing on what they think they need uh, the most. Um, So I really just enjoyed listening to or reading those comments and thinking, oh, wow. I mean, those are really great things that those are the types of things we really want our students to be growing on. But when they talked about what they liked about it, some of them, because that was another question I asked, and some of them were like, oh, just reading the book itself was useful. And others were like, the discussion was the most, it was the best part, right? People learn differently. That accountability, right? Because you're going to have this discussion, you have to read it. I think it's really important. Um, But then the other one was interactions among the group have improved the effectiveness of their communication. They've commented that they thought they have better communication with each other. They understand each other more. 
they're much more willing to lend a helping hand and try to gather information rather than being reactive. That's success in my mind. So were there any other insights that you think you gained from doing the book club with the students or things that you would do differently next time? Ooh, things that I would do differently next time. Yeah. So one comment that they made was that uh, there was quite a few of them actually said they would like to see the students actually lead more in the book club. And I thought, well, shoot, that's actually, that'd be really fun because you learn more when you teach, right? Uh, So I actually thought I might try that next time, having um, students assigned to lead some of the discussion. So that's one thing I might change. You've also done a book club. What have you been doing and what have you learned? Uh, So this fall um, of 22, as we record this, we decided to do the book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. And I I had never read it before. And so um, I kind of buzzed through it really quickly at the beginning of the semester. I have three graduate students right now. So it's kind of a small book club with the four of us. And the way that we tackled it was we used one of our grad meetings every two weeks and we would just dedicate about 30 minutes or so to go through it. And so there's there's four laws in Atomic Habits. The four laws of behavior change are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. So we took each of those laws and basically broke it down into our group meeting. On their first meeting, we basically had everybody set a personal and a professional habit that they wanted to develop this semester. And I did that both because I wanted us to have something to put a framework around as we went through the different laws. So after the first one, we made our um, habits, we made them intentional, made them known to everybody else to kind of have some accountability. We got some habit trackers and started using that to track how we were doing and developing our personal and professional habits. So an example of like a professional habit might have been a student wanting to have more dedicated habit of reading the scientific literature every day, or somebody who wanted to be more organized. Um, And so like planning for their week and somebody else like for a personal, so actually like mine selfishly was I wanted to focus on my writing. And so I was like, how do I become more of a professional writer? So I set my habit as, so Claire's book is a lot of it is about embracing your identity. So it's like, I am not an amateur writer. I am a professional writer. And a professional writer shows up to the keyboard every day and puts in the work regardless of how you feel. An amateur writer would be like, it feels hard today. I'm not going to do it. So each time we went through a new law, we would revisit our habits and decide if we needed to tweak something. So as we went through like making it easy, making it obvious, doing things like habit stacking, And of course, they're all learning from each other, right, as they're talking about how they're building these good habits. Somebody, for example, was like, I'm going to do this first thing in the morning. And my mind is going, you're never going to do that first thing in the morning because you have all these other distractions and you might have a farm day and everything. And by the second time, they were like, so I can't do it in the morning because I have all these other distractions and farm days. (laughs) But, you know, they learned. And so then it was like, okay, but now I'm going to do it at this other time of the day. And now I can have it stack with this other thing, you know, that I always do every day. And so that improved the likelihood that they were going to develop that habit. So I think that this was an awesome book to go through with the graduate group because they could apply it to both personal and professional goals um, in developing those habits. And so things from productivity, time management to, you know, a good or a bad habit that you're trying to establish or break. 
Yeah. So I think uh, your comment about identity is basically each each action is a vote for the type of person you want to be. Right. Um, I I think that's a really insightful thing because it helps you to make decisions. I, I will say so. The first thing we did in our book club, there's a self-assessment at the start of the book. And so I had the students do a self-assessment and then have them uh, think about, as you said, what things they want uh, to focus on. So providing two goals, one a personal and one a professional goal that they want to achieve and what do they want to improve relative to that self-assessment because that self-assessment helps them Um, identify of the seven habits, right? Where you're stronger and where uh, maybe you're weaker. So I think that's helpful too. And then we did it again at the end. So we redid the self-assessment, which I think is useful as well, because then it's like, okay, what progress have I made? And then it even can reaffirm, I know I still need to focus on this, or at least it helps me reaffirm, I still need to focus on this. (laughs) So I think that's useful is like trying to set the intention at the beginning, as you mentioned, I think is really great. Yeah. So I think overall, you know, it's gone really well. We're through the third law. We're getting ready to do the fourth law next week for our grad meeting. And then we'll wrap it up from there. Um, I've already asked them if they wanted to do a book in the spring semester and they overwhelmingly said yes. So we're exploring maybe something like seven habits or others. I think that's one of the challenges that we kind of find ourselves at right now. And that is how do we find a good I'm going to say business book, right? Because most of these things are written by folks that are really serving the business community. Um, and that's you know why we're trying to pick some of these up to help our students be better prepared for those kinds of things. But how do we find something that strikes the right chord for our students? And just throwing this out there, one of the things I've been ruminating on was the idea of having basically a nonfiction book per semester that there would be like from the time a new master students or or new graduate student comes from the very first semester. And that book might be a time management or productivity or a mindset, growth mindset book or something like that, right? Like getting them in the right headspace to begin with. And as they move throughout, it might be moving up the line eventually to something like impact players or something, right? Like near the end of their program, like you're to the point now where you're a senior leader in the lab, I need you to up your game. I need you to get ready to go out and be a star in the workforce. Getting them to have that mindset from the get-go, building confidence might be a great book topic somewhere in the middle, right? Like just thinking about what would kind of almost be this like prescription series of nonfiction topics that we could be like, welcome to your second semester. Read this book. We'll have a chat starting in your grad meeting next week. Yeah, I think one of the things I like about the book club itself is that there's some accountability built into it because you know each time you meet there's an expectation that you read and that because there's going to be a discussion you'll be found out right if you didn't read it and then it forces a period of time for reflection so even if they didn't reflect beforehand sitting in that room listening to other people helps build the reflection so I think one of the challenges would be if we didn't do it as a book club, not having that accountability um, can be problematic. I think you would just do the accountability with the one-on-one grad meeting between the faculty and that grad student. Yeah. Tell me about insights you've had from your reading in that or where are you at and things like that. Yeah. And and I mean, I think it'd be good. I talk to students all the time about books because 
I really like to read, yes. And sometimes I get them interested in a book and then my book disappears, which is fine. I will donate a book to that cause any day of the week. That's why I have to recommend podcasts because then you can just send them an electronic file. (laughs) You know, I've tried that. And what's interesting is I, um, so Impact Players, you mentioned that book and there was a podcast uh, where uh, Liz Wiseman was interviewed and I sent that to my students. And I kept asking them every um, individual meeting, have you listened to this yet? I even like queued up and told them the time to start listening because it's when she actually started talking about the characteristics of an impact player. Because I was like, this is what your future employers are looking for. And these are the things that you want to build these skills now and show these things now. So when I write or other people are writing your letters of reference that they can put them in there, right? So I was like trying to get them there and uh, that didn't work for me. For some reason, the podcast thing didn't hit home. I don't know why. (laughs) Some people are podcast people and some people aren't, I guess. That's super true. Okay, anything else on book clubs for our groups that we wanted to talk about today? I guess one of the things that I would say is that I think book clubs are a great opportunity for us to also learn and gain like knowledge and and new thoughts. So one of the best things about book club for me is that even if I've read the book, rereading the book and thinking about it in the context of, you know, what things would I, what questions would I want my students to be thinking about really forces me to do that thinking as well. And I actually really find that useful. I have read Seven Habits three times. And every time I read it, I still pick up something or refocus in on something that uh, is a useful skill. So I think it doesn't have to be completely selfless, right? It can be selfish in that you learn as well as hopefully those skills show up in your students and make them a better graduate student as well, right? So it's a can be win-win. Yeah, I would I would argue none of this is selfless. Everything that I do for graduate student development is equal part to make them more successful. And that in turn makes my program more successful. So I, I never see the distinction between anything that we do for graduate student development and what it's going to do for me as a faculty member. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a really great way of looking at it. Every time you bring somebody's game up, like your competition, right? You bring yep. up their game you're making everybody better, then ultimately that makes your program better. And I think that is, that's a cool uh, way to think about it. I guess I just really want to emphasize that it is a useful endeavor and it is time well spent. Yeah, we were talking about that this week and wanted to bring that up again I think we need to think more like business people, right? In the sense of what is our ROI? What's our return on investment for any of these activities that we do with our students? So if you spend an hour of your lab meeting for an entire semester, not having students share data or do the other things that you've done for the last 15 years in that meeting, is that shift in perspective giving you the ROI ROI that you want? And I would argue that like with the book club ideas, you know, especially if you tackle the right one, it really could have a a nice ROI and it could have a real multiplier effect. So I do feel like this is an an area where, like you said, the time is well spent. 
Well, we hope you have enjoyed this latest episode and feel free to uh, join us over on Twitter, leave your comments, feedback. We would love if you have any suggestions for future episode topics you would like us to chat about. Uh, And until then, we'll see you next time.